This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the Skate Pod. It's a bonus edition. Nicholas Lidstrom, our special guest this week. He's got a new book out, The Pursuit of Perfection. Thanks for joining us on the Skate Pod. You can, as always, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, StitcherRadio.com. Matt Kalman normally takes over these himself. This is like Kalman territory. This is, this is heavy lifting. we got a Hall of Famer, our first Hall of Fame guest, so we needed to have both of us here. I know. Uh, yeah, when you uh, saw that Nick Lidstrom was available, obviously I'm sure there are a lot of Bruins connections you wanted to ask him oh, about. Absolutely. I've been dying to ask Nick Lidstrom about uh, talk about Zdeno Char and their relationship and the advice he's given him. Uh, as far as how long he should keep playing and when he knows it's time to go. And so this is a great opportunity. Uh, Triumph Books was my publisher and, and my, mine with Dale. So uh, they were help, nice enough to help us get him. And, and Nick, the perfect, the pursuit of perfection, well, we know he's the perfect guest because not only was he a great guest, he called us from Sweden. He did. He, he dialed us. The connection was great. Uh, he played in the Western Conference, obviously, during those days. So the Bruins didn't face him right. all that much. But you have the Babcock connection, uh, of course, you know, in Detroit now in the division. I, I don't know when when I think of those teams I just they were a machine at their height with with oh, yeah. uh, Zetterberg and Dotsuk and they sure I mean uh, obviously they won for them and they spread it out the dynasty was spread out over a long period of time but they they were and, and he was the face of it right yeah I mean, and you know what too I, I sometimes kick myself because they were in the West I never watched enough of them because they were playing so many late games even though they were in Detroit mm-hmm. so they were either playing the same time as the Bruins or they were playing on the West Coast a lot and. I never got to really fully appreciate Nick Lidstrom, except maybe in those 08-09 finals where you got to see him play against the best. Um, but, you know, another one of these people, and we didn't get to ask him this part, but um, it talks about the pursuit of perfection. It, it is, and obviously his book, it's all going to be positive quotes from people, but I've never, ever heard anyone say one bad thing about the guy. I, you know, you can almost anyone, you could take a player and you'll find someone, a scout or someone who'll say, well, you know, this guy was phony at doing this or he was never any good at this. But, yeah. I mean, this guy really does have the perfect uh, the perfect persona. That's why they called him the perfect human, right? That, exactly. that was the nickname. Well, let's get to it. This is our chat with Nicholas Lidstrom and his new book, The Pursuit of Perfection. Well, special guest this week, Nicholas Lidstrom needs no introduction. Uh, one of the greatest defensemen in hockey history, seven Norris trophies, a 20-year career with the Detroit Red Rings, and a new book that is out, The Pursuit of Perfection. Nicholas Lidstrom joins us here on WEI. Hi, Nick. Thanks for coming on. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. What uh, what went into writing the book? What was uh, what was the impetus? Why did you want to write one? Uh, well, I got asked the question when I was still playing, and I kind of pushed it aside and wasn't there thinking much about it. But then I, I got approached uh, a couple years ago again, and I decided, you know, you know what, it would be fun to document my career and kind of go over some of the great memories I have from, from playing, uh, especially with the Wings. So I decided to, to go ahead and do it. And how'd you, how did you get the idea to have, you know, a couple of journalists help you out and um, get some other voices into the book? I think it's great that, you know, almost, I think t- maybe 10, 12 pages in Wayne Gretzky's talking about you. And, and just, and what does that, have you read it? Does it make, what do you, what make, does it make you feel a certain way when you read all these things, people saying these nice things about you? <laughs> yeah, no, it, uh, I sure does. Uh, I wanted to get some, some input from, from players that I played with and against and, and you know, some of the coaches over the years uh, just get some some different uh, voices from from uh, players and, and 
coaches I've been around. Uh, I thought that was kind of interesting to see there, look at things and see how they how they view me as a player. So I wanted to get different inputs to, just like that. Yeah, Gretzky called you the smartest defenseman out there. That's that's got to be some high praise, huh? Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. You know, Gretzky was one of the idols I had grown up watching him uh, as a kid uh, being overseas in Sweden. You heard lots about him, but then you saw him play him some of the Canada Cups and, and some of the great teams uh, in Edmonton. So you know, it means a lot to you know having those words come from him. You know, what was it like to um, to play against him? And then maybe who were some of the other you know more difficult opponents you had over the years? Uh, you know, playing against Gretzky, you had so much respect for him. Uh, like I said earlier, you, you watch him play uh, growing up. So you had a tremendous respect for him. And sometimes you had too much respect. As a defenseman, you kind of backed <laughs> off and he gave him all the, the time and space that you shouldn't give him. Uh, but he was he was that good. So after playing against him a couple of times or a few times, you kind of get over the being nervous to, to face him. But then you realize how great of a player he he was, uh, you know, he was with the LA Kings at the time when I played against him uh, most of the time anyways. And, uh, just a tremendous player from, from seeing the ice so well to, to making plays on his own, to scoring some big goals. Uh, he just had uh, tremendous respect for him. Uh, so it, it was fun playing against him, but uh, he was tough to defend. Uh, I think the toughest one I faced uh, was Mary Lemieux. Mm-hmm. Big guy, long reach. Uh, he didn't look all that fast, but he was fast when he came at you <laughs> with his reach and, and uh, the stick handling ability he had. So he was probably the toughest one to defend one on one. I've heard uh, players say about you, Nicholas, that uh, you were never out of position. I mean, I'm sure there, were, there was a time or two, but uh, I mean, how 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 do you make that happen? Is it um, is it a combination of intelligence, of of speed, of uh, anticipating the play? Why were you in position so often uh, throughout your career? Uh, I think it's a mix of things. I think it started early on when I was a kid growing up. I played different sports. I played soccer, which is you know a team sport. I played basketball. We kind of had to think the game and, and uh, be in the right position, and that, I think that helped me when I started playing hockey full-time, uh, just play your position right. And that's one of the things uh, my assistant coach, Dave Lewis, told me early on my first year in, in my career with the Wings, that if you play your position right, you you can you don't have to overdo things. You don't have to uh, uh, you know work as hard or scramble as much if you can replace and anticipate plays. And so I think I developed that at an early age, but I also kind of fine-tuned it once I came to the NHL. So it's funny, your your book is called The Pursuit of Perfection, and, and here in Boston we have uh, someone who a lot of people hold up as, as a perfect player, a perfect person, and, and Patrice Bergeron, I guess he's kind of maybe carrying the mantle, or you, know, you maybe you pass the torch to him as much as far as being perfect is concerned. And um, you know, What were your impressions when you when you played against Patrice and, and, and the things he's done even since you're out of the league? Uh, just from you know, playing against him and looking, looking from afar, uh, he's, he's a very smart player. Uh, and he's also great at, at reading plays and being at the right right uh, spot at all the times. So now he's a great he's even a, he's a great finisher too. Like he can score goals and he can he can be a, a power play guy. But he's also the guy that's out there killing penalties and, and taking faceoffs. So I think he's the he's the ultimate uh, defensive player of the year and offensive player of the year all mm-hmm. in one because he can do it all. And uh, you know when you we played in the Western Conference, so we didn't see him all that much. But right. you, you heard lots about him, and when you finally played against him, you realized how good of a player he was. 
and still is. And I, I've seen some highlights just recently where scoring goals and, and playing great with uh, with that first line they have in Boston. So, you know, he's still a tremendous player. Yeah, and you know, another Bruin that uh, holds you in high regard is Adano Char. I've had so many conversations with Zdeno, and your name always comes up as someone he's kind of almost idolizes. I know you guys have, have been in touch over the years, but, uh, you know, now that he's doing what he's doing still at 42 years old, I mean, how do you explain it? And, you know, do you, you know, how does it make you, you feel or think, what do you think of watching him and playing at, the, at this age and the things he's still accomplishing? I'm impressed with what Z can do still at, at his age and, and still being able to, uh, you know, to play against the top players in the world. And I think it, it really comes down to his passion for the game. Sure. He, he really must love the game. Uh, I know his ice time hasn't, isn't as, as high as it's been in the past, but he's still competing against the best players in the world. And, uh, you know, just uh, a couple of years ago, I was in, he was in contact with me, uh, reaching out and asking me there were different things, how I felt later on in my career. Uh, you know, he's he's been keeping himself in great shape. Uh, he's been somewhat healthy all the time. And But I think that that passion of his is, is really driving him to still be able to play at that high level. Yeah, is, is that kind of what you told him when uh, when you guys were in touch about keeping playing? Was it just about making sure the passion is there? and Or what, uh, what, were we kind of, what was kind of your advice to him? Yeah, no, he asked me how I felt. You know, towards the end of my career, and and uh, you know, I when I when my ice time was at at the top, I was close to thirty minutes a night or mm-hmm. twenty eight, twenty nine minutes a night. And as I got older, uh, you know, my ice time decreased, and that's one of the things you know we talked about. That uh, you know, for me personally, I had to uh, accept the role, even though I was still I was the captain and I was one of the leaders with the wings. I I, I wasn't playing top top minutes, but I accepted playing less and, and, and being a little smarter too to be able to hopefully have have my legs when come in April and, and May when you're really counted on the playoffs. So uh that's one of the things we talked about, just, just being being ready to to uh to face maybe less ice time or, or a lesser role but you're still a big part of the team. And I, from what I've seen uh, you know looking from from outside, you now he's he's been able to do that. Boston made a cup run last year, Nicholas, and I'm sure you get asked this a lot, but uh, as a member of uh, two teams that went to cup finals back-to-back years, how difficult is that, and how were you guys able to do it to make that uh, that second surge the year after? Yeah, it, it's tough. It's tough to, uh, you know, you, you climb the mountain, you're, you're top of the mountain, you win the Stanley Cup, and then the next uh, year you're you're asked to do the same thing again, walk all the way up to the top again, and it's it's hard. It's it's mentally tough. Your summers are shorter. Your, your off-season training is, gets a little shorter. But I, I think the mental part is the toughest one to get ready for every game. All the teams are gunning for for the defending Stanley Cup champs, and, and they're always measuring against you uh, all the time. So it's I find that the mental part was the toughest one to to get over that hurdle. You know, I covered the uh, the Pittsburgh finals that you guys had from from the Pittsburgh end of it, Nicholas. And one thing that impressed me so much about your teams, you guys were always so disciplined. I, I think that first year, they tried to get you off your game a little bit and, and do some things after the whistle. But I don't know whether it was your leadership or just a team wide thing. You guys were always skating away, turning the other cheek, and, and never getting into that stuff. Is that uh, your uh, memory of that as well? Yeah, and I think it comes well, a little bit of with experience. I haven't been there in the past, and I think that helps. You know, we had some some good leaders on on the team when we won uh, in 2008. Guys that's been there in the past and 
and been through it before, you know what it takes to, to go all the way. And uh, sometimes it just means to stay cool when it when it's real hard to do it. Uh, but I think having that experience with with the team helps to to kind of guide the younger players on our on, on the team we had. And you know we were very su- successful and staying calm and collected when it really mattered. And I think that's one of the reasons we we won the cup that year. So Nick, now you have this book this book out and you're promoting it. Obviously, what uh, what other things you're doing right now? How are you spending some retirement years here? Yeah, I've been involved with uh, youth hockey uh, in Sweden uh-huh. uh, since I retired. I've been helping out coaching young kids. Uh, and I've been doing some TV, some of the uh, NHL games. That uh, I'll be in studio doing some of the games. Okay. Uh, I'll be doing uh, some of the games, uh, Buffalo-Tampa game in Stockholm here in a, in a couple of weeks. So I've been a little bit involved with uh, TV as well, which has been a lot of fun. It's something new and something different for me, but I, I, I enjoy that too. That's great. And your old captain is back in Detroit now, Steve Eiserman. He's running the show there. Uh, any itches to kind of get back in the game that way, be part of management, scouting, anything like that? Uh, not right now in where I'm at uh, with, with my family, with, with my kids. Maybe when they get a little bit older, mm-hmm. and I can start looking at that. But I haven't closed the door to anything like that. But as of right now, it, it's not a good fit for me. Well, thanks for your time, and uh, good luck with the book. It looks like a great read, and 20 years of hockey, you, you've got insight nobody else can give, obviously. So uh, looking forward to digging through it, and uh, we thank you for giving us a little glimpse of it here today. All right, thanks a lot. I appreciate thank it. Thank you, Nick.